I'm Sean Fitzgerald, Chief Marketing Officer at Thomas, and this is the Thomas Industry Update. Hi, everyone. It's Sean coming to you today remotely from my home instead of our podcast studio in New York City. As Tony mentioned in the last Thomas Industry Update podcast episode, our entire Thomas team has been working remotely for the past month because of COVID-19. In light of the pandemic and its impact on the industrial sector, I want to quickly mention two Thomas resources for business leaders to help you guide your company through this unprecedented time. First, we built a robust COVID-19 resource hub, which you can visit at thomasnet.com COVID-19. That outlines a variety of helpful information, links, and other resources for keeping your industrial businesses running right now. Second, more than a thousand companies have offered their capacity to make critical PPE and other medical equipment by registering their company as a COVID-19 response supplier. If your business can produce these key supplies, please let us know by signing up at thomasnet.com COVID-19 suppliers. We'll indicate your ability to help by adding a COVID-19 response supplier badge to your company profile on our platform as a signal to our 80,000 daily users that your business is ready to fill their urgent COVID-19 sourcing needs. And with that, let's start today's episode, which was recorded earlier this year before COVID-19 hit. Today, I'm joined by Sean Brown, Marketing Strategy Manager at Disney and Chief Firestarter at creative brainstorming company Ignite the Mind. I know two Sean's in one episode, but I promise it won't be as confusing as it seems when we jump into the conversation. Sean and I talk about how industrial business leaders should break through their many daily distractions to more effectively use their time as an investment in their business's growth and future success. Building on tactics developed through his years at Disney, Sean walks us through his playbook for industrial business leaders to orchestrate creative problem solving at their own companies. Given the uncertain environment of industrial businesses right now, it's important to keep Sean's tips in mind and set aside time to look ahead at the strategic future of your company. Welcome to the program, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Glad to be here. I know we'll confuse everybody into submission with the two Sean's, but we'll leave it uh, for there today on this. Um, hey, as we get started here today, Sean, let's talk a little bit about your background and your work at Disney. I mean, how did that's such a massive company that we all know and love? And geez, I think most of us are buying Disney Plus now, also, right? So lots of excitement there for everyone. You know, how did you get started at Disney, and what are some of the things that you've learned along the way? Absolutely, and of course, thanks for the Disney Plus plug. Greatly appreciate that. <laughs> I wanted to work at Disney after visiting as a, a kid with my family. And I was lucky after, quite honestly, a few years of campaigning after college and landed a job. And I've been here on two tours. I like to call it two tours of duty. I was here for about seven years and now I've been back for about 10. It is an incredibly imaginative, future forward organization to work within and quite large, obviously, right? Huge organization. Yeah. Well, hey, I can only imagine the types of playbooks that you guys have put together to attack almost any problem that way. Could you give us a little insight into some of the ways that, uh, you know, you and your team look at, you know, when you go to start marketing your company or start trying to come up with new ideas? How, how does that work inside of Disney? It's a great question. The culture here, which you know, you can always look over the fence, right? And look at other places and oh, it looks great over there and so on and so forth. It's inherent in this culture to be creative and to think what if, what else, and why not. Now, I can tell you 95% of the ideas that come through this company are never implemented, 
But just the process of being creative and the process of creative problem solving is what leads this company to have such an advantage. We had to come up with a stunt to launch the Everest attraction when it first opened at Disney's Animal Kingdom. And we spent three hours in a room and we ended up wrapping the entire W Hotel in New York. And we had a group of choreographed repellers on the side of the building. We invited media to the TKTS Center down at the base and created a Himalayan village, all for a 90-second performance for media to capture and help promote the launch of this new attraction. So we go big. <laughs> you do. And obviously, that the scope of that and everything that you just explained is absolutely massive. You know, And you can imagine that for a company like Disney or another maybe Fortune 1000 that way. As you start to look at the playbooks and the things that you've all come up with as you go forward, I, I believe that's how you really came to you know your project on Ignite the Mind and how you've started working with other folks. How do you begin to translate that massive scope and scale into working with other types of businesses the way you do? The company had implemented globally, and I mean that globally, with a very small team, innovation training. And what's fascinating was that the training was nothing that was proprietary, nothing that you could not come up with in books. It was branded creatively. It was called Toy Box. It was a process that was driven into the culture. And it had always been there. But as the science of creative problem solving became more thorough and more apparent and more accessible, the company started to say, hey, we're, gonna, we're actually going to do training on this process. We like to implement it, but we're going to train our, our cast to think differently throughout the rest of their day. I myself have been passionate. I had an unbelievable position here with a team that was called Global Creative Inc. And during that time, we facilitated and developed brainstorm sessions with multiple lines of business, corporate sponsors. We would do two-day brainstorm sessions on finding out opportunities and ways that we could work together. And uh, it was at a point when I had left the company and I went to the Nature Conservancy, which is probably the largest global conservation organization, just something unique I wanted to try. And when I got there and found an opportunity to facilitate uh, brainstorm meetings within that group, that's when I said to myself, I got to try doing this on my own. That's when you found it, it, Ignite the Mind? Ignite the Mind. And the crazy thing is, something we may talk about is you constantly fill your toolbox for inspiration. There are things outside of your normal day which inspires your ideas. Ignite the Mind comes from the concept of doing prescribed fire on conservation lands. And so for a long time, my head was buried in prescribed fire in the state of Florida and the effects on conservation. And so I started going down a fire path. I'm like, all right, ignite the mind. And that's, uh, that's how I got there. <laughs> cool. So, you know, as you started to get into this and start to work with other companies, what did you find that maybe was not efficient in the current process that they were using to try and brainstorm and to come up with new ideas? I know, you know, my process on that jokingly is... I refer to it as spaghetti against the wall. I like to just get every idea out. I'll even preface it with the team sometimes to say, look, this is a terrible <laughs> idea and we're never doing this, but I need to give it voice to get it out of my head so I can move on to the next one. What did you find with folks when you started working with them? And, and you know, what were some of the positives and maybe some of the things holding them back? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to explain it in a, in a couple different ways. But first, I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions, right? So here we go. So for, these are simple, so don't get nervous. So do you have a cell phone? <laughs> yes. Do you use text messaging during the day? I do use text messaging during the day. All right. How about email? Do you use email? Yes, email. Do you have instant messaging? No, but you could add Slack to that, I guess, would be another one if you wanted to look at it that There's way. There's Slack. Do you actually use voicemail on your office phone? 
<laughs> I may not be the best proxy here for this one, but I, I am I'm uh, guilty of not being fantastic about answering my voicemail on my phone. That is okay. So there's a there's probably a red light that's on and it's there for a while, right? Perpetual. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So point being, our days are inundated with disruption, and not like disruption to industries. It's I mean, this sounds, I guess maybe even almost trying to make it more scientific than, than it is. We don't have time to think. So the first thing when I'm talking with partners is, what is your, how's your culture set up? Do you actually look at time as an investment in growth or is time used to get checklists done every day? We're bombarded. So the number one thing is using your time for investigation is actually an incredible investment in your company and, and growth and success. Number two is then, do you look to formally organize opportunities for groups of people to get together to talk about an idea and an opportunity? And most groups, you know, in my Disney experience, it is inherent. I mean, you will randomly get an email from someone and it's like, well, I kind of know that person or I worked with that person a few years ago and they're in a department completely unrelated to mine, but they're pulling people together outside of the, the normal day to day to get interesting perspectives and kind of cross-pollinization on here's an opportunity, here's something we're trying to come up with, or here's something we're trying to solve. I want a diverse mindset, a diverse group of people and diverse thinking to try and come up with a new idea and opportunity. Interesting. So to that point of pulling people together, do you see any value in, or, or have you seen any differences when you're trying to facilitate these types of idea sessions around doing them in the same physical location that most of these folks work? Or is there value into doing an offsite to really focus on this? Great question. If you can get out of your space, you get out of it. And it doesn't have to be something expensive. It could be literally going to another building, right? Or another floor. Because all of the elements in, when you pull a group of people together, all of the elements have an impact. And if you're in the same place that you're in all the time, people are going to, going to lean towards their traditional behavior. They might bring a laptop with them and a phone, and they're going to check it during the session. If you want to be thinking differently, it's best to put them in a different space, for sure. Again, very guilty of the cell phone usage during meetings sometimes also. it's it, No, but you're spot on. I mean, it's one of the things that we do here at Thomas also is that when we do have a lot of decision making that we need to get done, we do try to get out of the building on it. Because again, if I'm anywhere close to my office, 15 different people will find me. Same with most of the other folks participating. And I'm going to go out on a limb and guess with you at work as well. Um, it's the same thing. Even if you get pulled you know, into another meeting that's close by, people can hunt you down and find you when they need you on things. So as these people are setting aside the time, what, what are some of the processes you use when they actually set aside that time to be successful and to keep people on track, but not to squash that creativity, which is really always the, for me, I find it to be some of the hard things to navigate because you want to keep people on track, but you, you don't want to really put a, a ring around them here. That is right. Probably, oh gosh, probably 15 or so years ago when I first joined the company and we were going through the process of brainstorming. We, we were going through a process and making a lot of stuff up. More is better, right? Capture as many ideas as you can. But what was always hard is when we would go back in our small team and we would go through the notes, we literally would have multiple flip charts full of notes. And even in 24-hour period, we would go back and we couldn't understand what half of them were. They were bullet points. They were fragmented sentences. The best thing that a group can do is not focus on the quantity, but the depth of the idea. And here's what I mean by that. So you can create exercises and usually the best exercise to do in a session is to tackle what you already know. What are you already doing? Because that's where people are going to gravitate towards first. 
So regardless mm-hmm. of the topic or the, the need at hand, you kind of use, well, what are we already doing? What already exists in the marketplace? And just start brainstorming around that current. Where the good stuff comes is when you run out of the current ideas and you have to start digging deep and making things up. And that's the concept of, of greenhousing. So greenhousing is pretty simple. If you put a plant seed in dirt and put some water on it, it does not bloom into a six-foot sunflower, right? It takes time for it to, to nurture it and uh, not to go into a biology lesson, right? <laughs> but the best thing that happens with a group of people is you actually tell them at the beginning, don't write anything down. I want you just to start talking about this exercise. So here's your inspiration. Just start talking through it. And then in as, as little period of time as maybe five or 10 minutes, people will then start to add on to their concepts and ideas. And then you tell them, great, now start to put it down on paper. But it's that greenhousing process because a lot of people want to rush, right? And that's just what our corporate cultures are, regardless of industry. It's rush, it's get it done and move on to the next thing. The best thing you can do is just take your time and have conversation. As you're having these conversations, Sean, what, what's the most important element do you feel as people are going through this? Like what, what should they be focusing on to get started? I think it was really good advice to say, look, you know, focus on the things that you're already doing so you can get those out of the way and move into a new area. But you know, what's the element that folks, when you guys do your work, what's the element that you typically focus on and think through for your primary area to move forward? It's a good question, and it's tough to answer because the types of exercises that we'll use will completely vary based on what's the brainstorm topic at hand, who are we inviting to it, what are all of their backgrounds, how much knowledge do we have, are we working off of something existing, or are we making something up that is completely brand new and doesn't exist yet? This, this is not meant to be the shameless plug, but maybe in a way it is. One of the best things you can do is use a facilitator that is outside, at least outside of your department or line of business, because it will equal the playing field of everyone in the room. And you don't necessarily have a quote unquote leader in front of folks that might then get nervous about sharing ideas or concepts, right? Exactly. And I mean, I've, I've read a lot of the posting that you've been doing to LinkedIn and to some of the other areas and some of the content that you've been producing. You talk about this concept of design thinking on it. Can you talk for the audience a little bit more around that and what it means to you and what you're focusing on there? I mean, I'd heard the term for a long time. And I think, again, there's, there's science, more and more science, quote unquote, is coming out into this area of creativity. So I recently myself took a 12-week course through MIT. But it was a course at MIT on mastering design thinking. What was great was it is not that hard. And it's a very simple thing to understand. Here was the biggest thing that I walked away with, which most of your listeners and clients and consumers are going to know when I say this, but we lose sight of it. The basis of design thinking is designing for people, human-centered design. And if you make something that you think is good, but you don't have any insight from the people that ultimately are going to buy it or utilize it or visit it, it's going to fail. And I'll be honest, even in my day-to-day job, it's the speed that business is going at. We will make decisions more on, can we do it technically? 
Does the business, do the numbers seem to make sense? Yes. Have we actually gotten any consumer insight on whether consumers want to use it or use the version that we're talking about? Well, we haven't, but we've been doing this a long time and uh, you know, we've done something else similar. It's going to work. It's going to work. So Sean, here at Thomas, obviously we've been uh, focused on manufacturing in the industrial space for 122 years. I understand the, the focus on people and it's one of the big things that the marketing team here focuses on and through our services that we provide to manufacturing companies, one of the things we focus on. Where have you seen big manufacturing or industrial companies doing this the right way? There is an example from a book that I am a huge fan of. It's, uh, the book's called Creative Confidence, and it's written by two brothers who formed a, for lack of better terms, a, a design company called IDEO, I-D-E-O. Totally recommend everybody look them up. They are fascinating. But the story, quite simply, that emphasizes the need of human-centered design, right? Human-centered ideas comes from General Electric created a MRI machine for hospitals, and it was extremely excited, had earned a patent, hospital had purchased it, and he was going into the hospital to see the, the, the work in process and was excited. And when he got there, there was actually a pediatric patient, a young girl and her father who were walking to the room to utilize the machine. And he, you know, he thought for sure everything was going to be great. He watched the child getting scared, starting to cry. The father was nervous. And then his experience of watching was disrupted because they had to use anesthesia with the, this young girl. And the, the gentleman who created it was totally put off and, and had no understanding that, you know, having to use anesthesia, that's not what the point of this machine was. It was supposed to be really helpful. The point of his experience then, he was so unnerved, he went back to GE headquarters, told him about this experience. He did some research. He actually took a week-long course in design thinking. And that experience, based on his investigation in how do I make this different and solve for the problem, was he then did research with other pediatric physicians, with museums, stretching your thinking into an area that doesn't seem like it would fit at all, but actually could give unbelievable influence and creative insight into your problem at hand. But what this ultimately led to, long story short, is you see an MRI machine now, which totally freaked me out, but the, the room is themed, right? It's almost like an experience. So it's a room themed to a pirate ship in water or a spaceship or a playground because now they're creating this thing based on human need and human behavior. And once that was done, the, they lowered their need for using anesthesia, especially in pediatric patients, by 90%. And then, of course, the business took off because there was a great story and case study behind it. True design thinking there for execution and making everybody's lives a little bit better at the same time there, too. That is it. They, they went through the other steps of design thinking, right, which is technically, can, can we create it? Yes, they did. Business, does the business make sense? Well, they built a business model. But then the human side, how's it going to work and perform ultimately with the end user? And it did not work well. Fascinating story there on how, you know, it started in one location and actually got so much better and still providing that same core service, but now just more helpful and useful for society and, and that, you know, that child is well there at that point too. You know, you mentioned museums and a lot of ideas that we've talked about here today too, to try and unlock your mind and get yourself going in a different direction. What are the three key tips if you had to share it with industrial companies that you think would help them the most with their brainstorming and ideation for their businesses? Well, number one is understand that use of time to think is probably one of your most valuable investments ever. Because people can get email done, they can write word, you know, type word documents, they can put together PowerPoint decks. But if you can honestly see using people's time 
just to think as a valuable resource and asset that is going to help you differentiate. Number two would be one of the, one of the worst things that you can do. Put your quote unquote, your lawyer personality at the front of the room. Everyone walks in, they sit down, there's a blank flip chart and a couple of Sharpies and say, all right, we need to brainstorm this. What do you got? People cannot, you need to warm people up, right? You want to set the tone for the situation at hand. You might even want to do a couple of exercises like the instance of the MRI machine where the gentleman went and spoke to museums and children's museums to see, learn about design and theming. Take the group down a different path that is somewhat what you think unrelated, but when you start talking about this other experience and topics, you might take assets or design elements or examples from something else and then start to use that as a jumping off point to brainstorm your topic at hand. And then the last thing I would say, a very small investment in what you want your space to look like. Visual is important. Have things on your table, right? You can, uh, people like, some people when they think, they like to use their hands and like to tinker with stuff. Have My that. entire desk is covered in fidget stuff. So yes, I'm, I'm with you are a there. fidgeter. I know that about you. You are a fidgeter. <laughs> have music that is playing before they walk in the room. Have music during facilitation exercises. It just changes the energy and the theme of the room. And then the last thing, again, with the room, how you capture notes and how you ask the team to capture notes is important. If you take a legal sized piece of paper and when you ask your teams, create your concepts across the top of the paper, they should write the headline, come up with an idea, come up with a name for your idea, then make a line down the middle of the page and on the left side, draw a picture that represents it. And on the right side, write a paragraph that explains it. And not bullet points or fragment, fragmented sentences, right? Because someone's going to need to go through, re-explain those ideas and type them up. But the whole premise there is there's three steps. One, you're thinking creatively about what are we going to call this? That adds to your thinking process. Number two, you're thinking visually. What might represent it, right? You draw a picture. That adds to your creative process and, and thinking. And then number three, which is most obvious, is how do you describe it? That's a whole nother step um, creatively in how you use your mind to think through idea generation. That's fantastic. I have so much stuff to work on right now. It's like I want to run out of the podcast room here and go get started on a couple of brainstorms I'm working on. That's great stuff. There you go. Well, hey, since we have you here and finishing up, I, I think I would be remiss for everyone listening if I didn't ask you if you had any insider tips about Disney parks that we all secretly need to know. Insider tips. Well, no, you never get asked this question, I bet, right? No, never, never, never. So I'm going to give you a couple, couple personal ones, right? One, which is the most obvious. If you're visiting Disney and you are not taking advantage of booking your fast passes before you come, you are missing the boat. So literally fast pass. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're missing the boat on small world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you want to book your fast passes. The other thing that I completely recommend, you have to visit Raglan Road which is the Irish pub at Disney Springs. And you have to go in there during after about 7.30 at night through the rest of the night. They have Irish musicians. They have uh, authentic Irish dancers. And of course, they have probably the best Guinness that you can get on Disney property or possibly in Central Florida for that matter. How great is that? Awesome. Well, hey, look, final uh, question for you here today, Sean. If you could put one sentence on a billboard that expresses your personal philosophy, what would it say for you? Uh, actually, this is really simple and manufacturing, your manufacturing folks will totally appreciate this. It's partially, it's a quote, partially attributed to Henry Ford. I say partially because all my Google search says, 
Well, we're not sure if Henry Ford said it or not. So I'm giving it to Henry Ford. It's applicable to our conversation, right? If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. To learn more about Ignite the Mind and how to effectively brainstorm and creatively problem solve at your industrial business, check out the links provided in the show notes of today's podcast. This episode of Thomas Industry Update podcast is hosted by Sean Fitzgerald and produced by Michaela Tierney and Lindsay Gilder. If you'd like to share your feedback about this or any other episode, email us at podcast at thomasnet.com. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or recommend us to a colleague. Your feedback helps us continue to advocate for industry across the airwaves. Want to get more insights on supply chain, IoT, industrial business, and more? Sign up for our Thomas Industry Update daily newsletter. With more than 300,000 subscribers, your inbox will be in good company. Subscribe now for free at thomasnet.com updates.